ladies and gentlemen, to Bobo Ango and Donovan's Void. Um, today I sound like this because I have bronchitis, um, but Donovan and Rango forced me at gunpoint to toil, to labor as I die. Did you cry for help? This is, this is, listen guys, I'm blinking twice. I'm looking at the guys, guys, so for help. Uh, they are killing me, these people. They collude against me. I've tried to unionize, <laughs> but like Jeff, they hate unions. Yeah. Um, so just know, this is okay. the state of today's episode. Um, but no, I'm kidding. In today's episode, we're talking about situationships. I'm interested in situationships because that seems to be the direction that dating is going. Uh, so it turns out, for anyone who doesn't know, a situationship is an undefined relationship where both parties refuse to acknowledge that it has any weight, that mm. it has any depth. That's a great definition. Um, that's what I've gleaned. There's two phenomena that I want to talk about today. The rise of situationships directly correlating with the fall of hookup culture. Mm. Like, have you noticed yeah. that Gen Z, the girls are not doing this. Yeah. The girls are not doing hookup culture. Mm. They're looking at Catholicism and they're like, I prefer that. Yeah. They're looking at celibacy. Yeah. And they're like, no, I'd rather that. I also today want to talk about the correlation between romantic love and economic systems. Mm. I want to talk about how the shape and form of romantic relationships mm. always follows the shape and form of the economic systems that they exist in. Mm. So the way relationships look under communism, the way relationships look under anarchy, mm. the way relationships look under fascist regimes, mm. and the way relationships look under late-stage capitalism, will all look different and vary according to the economic systems they're in. Yeah. So here's my theory. Okay, I'm on my bell hooks now. Yeah. My theory is that the dialectic response of pussy, which is the rise of situationships against the drop of hookup culture and simultaneously the rise of celibacy, mm. is that we've reached a stage of late stage capitalism mm. where people are so commodified and alienated and objectified and so alienated from their own humanity and the humanity of others mm. that they both fail to connect with their own needs as well as the needs of others. Mm. And in failing to connect with your own needs and your needs of others, you fail to express what those needs are. And so you exist in a constant state of purgatory which is just a situationship. Right. In the same way that we are dehumanized and objectified in the free market, we dehumanize and objectify each other on our apps, on dating apps, we scroll past each other, we select each other. The, the language that we use when it comes to dating, it's like, oh, is there stock? Yeah. <laughs> how, is, how is the stock doing in Johannesburg? Right, right. Uh, the way we talk about, oh, it's an ick. Yeah. It's, it's either a yes or a no. 
it's either a good deal or a bad deal. Mm. The way we talk about, like, well, what am, what is he putting to the table versus what, you know, we talk about the transaction yeah. of romantic love. Situationships, in my opinion, are a direct result of late stage capitalism. Yeah. They're a direct symptom mm -hmm. of late stage capitalism mm. because all romantic structures and all romantic relationships mirror the economic systems that they exist in. Yeah. And under late stage capitalism, we're alienated, dehumanized, and miserable yeah. and unfulfilled in our lives. And in our relationships, we are alienated, dehumanized, miserable, and yeah. and that's where it goes, yeah. I really oh. like this theory, and I completely agree. Mm. And as far as the way that the economy reflects dating and romance yeah. and relationships, yeah. the biggest thing I've noticed is that in order for love to exist, there has to be a vibrant, flourishing middle class. Explain. Middle classness is vital for real love. Mm. Because the more someone is an opportunity to you, mm. the less you can truly love them. And I know that sounds really dramatic to people, but think about it. Like, when you're speaking to one of your homegirls, right, and she yeah. comes to tell you about the new man that she's been fucking with, and she's like, oh my God, girl, he got a car, mm. he got a nice apartment. Everything that she describes materially, everything that she focuses on materially, mm. are things that she's not focusing on personally and emotionally. Oh. Every material factor you focus on are emotional factors that you're ignoring. So instead of focusing on the fact that he's a gentle, kind man, mm. or the fact that he treats his mother very well, mm. or the fact that he listens to you, you're focusing on the price of his car, the price of his house, the price of his watch. So inherently, as humans with the ability to only focus on but so many things, yeah. the more material things matter, the less immaterial things matter. Mm. And what I really think situationships are, are the dialectical response to a generation that was both told that they deserve the world. Mm. Because you sat on a screen all day and watched these exuberant, you know, beyond imaginable lives. Mm. So you're taught to think that you deserve the entire world, but then you're also taught that advocating for yourself is cringe and needy, mm. right? So I'm taught that I need everything. I'm taught that I deserve everything, but I'm also taught that to like look someone in the eyes and be vulnerable and say like, hey, I really need this. I need X, Y, Z from you. That's now cringe. You get what I mean? So what happens is people end up playing this really stupid game of emotional chicken mm. where I'm waiting for you to blink. I'm waiting for you to ask me to be your girlfriend, but then you're waiting for me to ask you to be your boyfriend. You know what's and, interesting? Yeah. Sorry to cut you no. off, but I don't want to forget this train of thought. What's interesting when you say that is that that dynamic directly mirrors the dynamic of the coworker and the employee. Mm. In the marketplace, we are taught that you should negotiate and never settle for anything less than your worth. Yeah. At the same time, it is taboo to directly and explicitly right. state how much you want to get paid for this job. Right. And so we end up in this dynamic as potential employees and potential employers where there's this game of like, well, I have a competitive salary, but yeah. I'm not allowed to ask what that competitive salary is. Right. And I'm not allowed to state what I think 
mm -hmm. I'm worth getting paid because then that's that's cringe. Yeah. But you're also not allowed to explicitly, you know, state like, listen, bitch. Yeah. This this job is ten dollars an hour. Like, right. let's let's. There's this inherent taboo and cringeness that mm. is associated with discussing your worth yeah. in the labor marketplace. Yeah. And that is reflected in the dating world where it is cringe to discuss your worth, right. whatever that means, your value as a commodity right. in the dating world. Yeah. Something I find really interesting too is that never has a generation struggled more with getting over their exes. Have you noticed that? It's, it's never been harder to get over past relationships, past traumas, past people who've wronged you, because now they're all a click away. Like in the 1950s, when you broke up with a nigga, you could just move to another town and never see another picture of him again, never hear his voice again. Mm -hmm. Now, Instagram and Twitter and being able to check up on your past lovers' lives leads you to this point of constantly re-traumatizing yourself. And what I've noticed with younger people is they never get over trauma from their past relationships. And then they weaponize the vulnerability of expressing that to a new partner as an excuse to never legitimize the relationship. Interesting. Like I was listening to this couple talk because I like eavesdropping on other couples. Yes. It's fun. Um, and this guy was having this conversation with this woman about like why he doesn't want to make her his girlfriend. What are the reasons? And he was going on this long rant about like, oh, my ex hurt me. And like, you know, that's why I just like can't commit to anyone. And like, you know, my therapist said that I should just take it slow. And it's like, is this vulnerability or is this just someone like weaponizing their past trauma to not have to take a risk and legitimize a relationship with yeah. someone? You know, but we've normalized <laughs> this. And, and, I, and I think there's something to be said about like weaponized vulnerability. There's something to be said about giving a whole generation like therapy speak and allowing people to use that to basically avoid any accountability in the future because they can constantly reference their past trauma. There's, there's a generation of people who refuse to get over their prior relationships and they leverage that as an excuse for why they can just stay in this perpetual state of situationship. Do you think that these people refuse to get over or do you think that they're unable? So I read, I just started reading this book by Milan Kundera, my favorite author of all time. So I just started reading this book by Milan Kundera, who's my favorite author of all time. And the book is called The Joke. And in one of the first few chapters, he describes this budding relationship between a man and a woman who meet at a communist rally in Czechoslovakia. And they develop this bond over there, like, mutual political leanings and you know they're both in the middle of a revolution and they fall in love with each other and he becomes a politician and she becomes a politician's wife but he fundamentally develops sort of a deeper passion for politics and his career but for her he is her whole life mm. and so Milan Kundera sort of describes this dynamic where he says she begins to grow tired and impatient mm. of waiting for this relationship to progress past 
the puppy love stage because they met, they fell in love and he had other things going on. So like that love was enough for him. Like the, the beginning stages of like the puppy love is fine. But for her, she didn't go into politics, develop another career, develop mm. a passion. So for her, that relationship was all she had. Mm. And so she's, she now views this relationship as the project of her life. Mm. And so it's something that needs to be constantly improved on and needs to be constantly built into something bigger and something better. And Milan Kundera says that because of this condition between like, men having multiple projects to fulfill them having on going on versus women having none of that and so the project of our lives ultimately has to be the men that we're with yeah and because of this condition fundamentally men are happy to remain in the puppy love stage because they have other things going on very interesting women on the other hand we're not taught to view, have anything going on. Yeah. We're socialized to believe that love and finding a husband and yeah. that the, out the man who will eventually pick you is the center of your life. That becomes your one final and ultimate project. And because it's your project, it constantly needs to be built on, constantly needs to be developed, constantly needs to be worked on. It needs to be moving somewhere, going somewhere. And so women can never stay in this puppy love stage because it feels to them as if our project is not developing, that our project isn't going anywhere. Men have other projects to fulfill them, so they're okay with staying in the puppy phase. So because of this, women will never be content in the puppy phase. Men will always be content in the puppy phase. So eventually, a woman, a woman's role in relationships is to nag the man to fundamentally move up from the puppy stage with her and the man will resent the woman mm -hmm. because he was happy where he was mm -hmm. and ultimately he'll choose to because it's better to just like go along with this mm -hmm. than to have to find another woman who will nag you to do the same thing right. Right. so he will begrudgingly do it but then that will be the foundation of the dynamic mm -hmm. i think this phenomenon of situationships is like millennial men, Gen Z men, just putting 10 toes down. Being like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not progressing past this. Yeah, like, yeah. this is fine. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with me feeling like yeah. this is fine. Yeah. I have other things going on in my life. Yeah. Um, but I think that is a fundamental incompatibility that creates situationships. What yeah. do you think? Thank you for listening to the first half of this conversation. If you're interested in listening to the rest of this conversation, you will find it on Patreon. So please support my Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Bobo's Void or you can just click on the link in the description box below. If you enjoyed this conversation, I'll be having so many more of these types of conversation with different friends, with different strangers, with all types of interesting people and sometimes just conversing with myself. If you are interested in philosophy, politics, race, all the things, I'll be hosting all the conversations on my Patreon. So patreon.com 
slash bobo's void or just click on the description box below and support me thank you